This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Your grandfather owns the Minnesota Twins. There's no way Mr. Howell has that much money. Why not? He could. Think about it. If Mr. Howell was all that rich, what was he doing taking a cruise on the SS Minnow? Now remember, guys, eat as many of these as you possibly can for the next 15 years. Because after that, you can't eat anything that tastes good the rest of your life you should do it yeah right get real no you get real you'd be great you know how hard it is to manage it's the american league they got the dh how hard could it be that's good yeah, that's true that's good that was me you could lead the twins to the pennant manager of the year really serious man the twins need you <laughs> welcome in to the second edition of sports movie rewind here on mackie and judd so this thing started a year ago, over a year ago, with Action Movie Rewind. We then brought Rom-Com Rewind into our stable. We will definitely get back to those genres as well. But uh, public demand, the masses and masses of Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily listeners have been clamoring for us to review sports movies. And so last week, Judd's first ever viewing of Mighty Ducks. So you basically have never seen these classic 90s Minnesota sports-themed movies. Right. Mighty Ducks I was, and Little Big League from 1994. Yeah, because when Mighty Ducks came out, I was like 21 or 22. And when Little Big League hit the screens, I was 24. And I had no desire to see what I perceived to be um, kids' films for sports. And I was really drunk at the time. I feel like, like you're like... the early like, 90s, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to these type of things. You have an odd disassociation with kids' movies. Like, like once kids. you get to a certain age, you just like can't watch a kids' movie? You're just out on kids' movies? Not as much now, but then I was, yeah. In my early 20s, I wasn't going to go watch this stuff. Like, now now it's different. I'm older. I don't, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I was doing things. I was I was going to work. I was going to bars. <laughs> and then I was going to more bars. And then I was going to, to the liquor store once the bars, you know. I mean, so I was very busy. So, yeah, I, I definitely had what you just said is totally fair to summarize probably my 20s and 30s. I did not I do I feel like if, it would films. be fun to go back and, You're like, home right. through, like, 24-year-old but Judd's toy story now. Like, yeah, I mean, I was going out and doing things. But I mean, I definitely had, I definitely had at 24, a complete disassociation with what I perceived to be kids films. And I've just never been a big movie goer type of guy. I watch way, way more now, but yeah, that's a fair statement. And Dex, have you, you've seen Little Big League before? Oh, plenty right? of times. Probably like eight plenty times. Plenty of times. Okay. Uh, it's probably been though 15 years, 10 or 15 mm. years since I've seen it last, but I've seen it plenty okay. of times. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well the, the well the game has changed a lot a since bit. Little Big League came out too, which we'll we'll talk about. But all right, here's the summary of Little Big League, nineteen ninety four. 
When his grandfather dies, 12-year-old Billy Haywood suddenly becomes the heir to the Minnesota Twins baseball team. It's a dream come true for the baseball fan who believes he can get the Twins out of their current slump by managing them personally. Of course, managing a pro baseball team is a lot of work, and some of the players aren't crazy about taking orders from a pre-teen. But Billy's honest approach and love for the game could be just what the Twins need. 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. $20 million budget for this movie turned into $12 million at the box office. Yeah. This movie did not make a lot of money. Surprisingly, too, I think. Um, no, they, know, this was kind of, they thought it was going to be a big hit, and it hmm. was not. Also, it screened like, really well. We'll get to all of it. Like the, the, the cast was fairly loaded. And the cameos were loaded, and this was in the middle of like a, a great five to ten year run of baseball movies, right? You had yes. you had these kids baseball movies, that, Rookie of the Year, yes, and that might be part of the problem. So uh, of some of the people who starred in this movie, Luke Edwards is Billy Haywood, and the twins brought him back for I think for the twentieth and maybe twenty fifth anniversary of this movie, and he like threw out the first pitch at one point. They had him in uniform with Ron Gardenhire in like 2014. <laughs> Did they really? Sure. Or yeah. Paul, maybe it was Paul Mahler. I can't I remember. I can't remember. It was something. <laughs> but they had him in a Twins uniform again. That was cool. Timothy Busfield, John Ashton from Beverly Hills Cop starring in this movie. Yep. Dennis Farina is is great for 10 minutes in this movie, and then he just gets fired. Classic Dennis Farina performance. Uh, Jason Robards has been in a million things for a long time. Jeff Garland making an appearance as a little league manager early, early on, very yeah, from early. Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. He looks, yeah, he right. looks almost exactly the same. The Dyna Baseball League, darker hair, but yes. Yep. Jonathan Silverman, and then you had a couple noteworthy former and current players. So uh, Leon Durham was on the Twins in this in this movie, and then Kevin Elster was an active major league player, yep. and he was on the Twins team. Directed, by the way, by Andrew Scheinman, who never directed another movie. This was the only movie he ever directed. But he was a producer on Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, Three Seasons of Seinfeld, and A Few Good Men. So his production credits leading up to this. That's a great run. And then he he parlayed those things into directing this movie Mm -hmm. and never, never directed again. So that says something about the work he did. So we'll start with Joe. Oh, uh, and by the way. But we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the cameos in one of these categories. We'll start with Judd. Your oh, key takeaway oh yeah. from Little Big League. Love the cameos. Love the cameos. Uh, my key takeaway was, was this: as a film where, uh, full disclosure, I had seen part of this not that long ago, where he's in Chicago and stops by to play stickball with, with those kids yeah. on TV. But I quickly turned it. I want to say MLB Network shows this constantly now. Yes, they do. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yet I did not sit and watch it. So my key takeaway was this. I thought this film would suck. I thought it was going to be really bad. I thought it was just going to be just really, really stupid. And while it does have huge plot holes, I actually enjoyed it. Oh, like what? I actually enjoyed it. Um, my own, my only complaint was I wish they, they had come to me at the time because I could have cleaned up the time. It's a two-hour film that could have been – you could have easily made this 140 or something. You probably um, didn't need two success montages. Yeah, that's correct, exactly right? two baseball montages, but but I wouldn't cut them both out. I would have had just the one though. But yes, that that's exactly what I fixated on was you didn't really. I mean, th- this is 1994 by that time. 
Like, if this had been 87, I'd be like, more montages. Yeah, I can see that. Like, Rocky, <laughs> right? Like, there's a third montage. Not surprising. But I'm with you that they could have they cleaned up the, or they could have cleared out the second montage. What I liked about it, and and what makes this intriguing is the cast was full of a lot of people that could actually had played baseball and could play. But what I liked about it was the acting itself was actually not bad. Like the yeah. acting is not um, there were I thought that there were far more holes in the acting of Mighty Ducks and Estevez <laughs> than there were in, in this. And and I love the fact that Farina is great and he's not in it long, but like that could have that part could have gone to a person that couldn't have, have acted and it would have been brutal. Robards. The same thing, right? Yeah, like, you could have like, given yeah, that to an old dotty guy, and he would have just sucked. But he's great. So so I thought that <laughs> I thought that they did a really good job of mixing and matching uh, people that could play baseball so that the scenes came off looking real with acting that was pretty strong. And I went from saying, this is, this is going to be two hours of just really, really patheticness, to this isn't bad. I enjoyed it. And I did, and I did love the part. I did love the fact, and we'll uh, touch on this more, that I felt the baseball itself, the scenes, were believable. I have a major take on the baseball in this movie. Okay. That will, will, that's sort of its own discussion sure. later yeah. on. But Declan, what was your main takeaway from uh, Little Big uh, Before I say my main takeaway, I just want to say on the Family Feud, number one answer for Judd in any movie rewind is, I wish they would have come to me first. I, I feel I can like always that, cut your that, film. Is, that is always a, a go-to in Judd Zolgad's movie reviews. And by the way, I agree with you. It's two hours. It's, it's too long. I, I can always cut your film down. That, I, but I just, that, that, it's your baby. You you say perfection. I say let's go back to the cutting room floor and leave a chunk. Ten-minute chunk on that floor. I, I just have a deja vu every single Friday at like around 11 o'clock every time this happens because it's, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> my main takeaway is that this is every... Minnesota kids like dream, right? Like every little leaguer that <laughs> ever played baseball in Minnesota, this is their dream. I mean, this movie's made in 94. I was born, I think 94, yeah. I was born in 92. Like imagine being an eight-year-old, you know, he's playing little league with his buddies. You're at that perfect little age where it's kids pitch and you're starting to, you're starting to really understand baseball a little more. And he's just an encyclopedia, right? Like he kind of reminds me of, I was the same way. Like I was just a little baseball encyclopedia. I wouldn't be able to go back to 1924. And like he was, that was a little over the top. That being said, I think it's every Minnesota kid's dream to be able to walk on the Metrodome with your two best friends and say, I, hey, my best buddy owns the Twins. You go to third, I'll go to first, and then you become the manager. You're managing the Twins. Like, every kid has that idea of a lineup card. Obviously, we still do this as adults, trying to, you know, basically pretend to be Rocco Baldelli behind the microphone. But my main takeaway is that this is every little kid's in Minnesota's dream, especially if you were born in the 80s and 90s and grew up with the Metrodome and the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get a little, little sappy with you guys. My main takeaway from this movie is that it's, it, it just like really tugs at the heartstrings of if you're a kid and you have memories of going to games with mm-hmm. your dad or your grandpa in this case, I just, I love that this movie tugged at those heartstrings so much. Cause I remember like my dad would take, my parents got divorced when I was six or seven years old. And so my dad, it was kind of my dad's mission when I would see him on the weekends and, you know, we didn't get to spend a ton of time together. And so he knew that I loved baseball and he loved baseball. And so that was our main shared connection. And just like that scene where Billy's grandpa, the owner of the twins, is telling 
the mom, like, you got to let me take him to see Roger Clemens. I, when I was a kid, I had a chance to see Walter Johnson, the yeah. big train. And so my dad would always look at the schedule every single twin season and sort of map out like, all right, so the Red Sox are in town here, which means we're on Roger Clemens watch. And then we got to see Ken Griffey and Randy Johnson mm -hmm. or Ricky Henderson's in town with the A's. And so he would like go through the schedule and get us those outfield tickets where you could just sit wherever you want and catch home run balls from Mark McGuire. McGuire, Sosa, like all throughout the 90s. So I had a major connection to this movie when it was out. And I still feel like I have a major connection because my dad, one of my dad and I's biggest connections to this day, even when he's almost 80 years old, is baseball. Mm -hmm. So love, love, love that part of it. Um, Joe, what was your favorite part of this movie? This is not going to surprise either one of you when I say it. My favorite part of this film was that the people or that the guy that wrote this film had the team, the twins in this case, lose the one game playoff. That there was no championship. Yeah. That, that, classic, classic Minnesota sports loss. It right? is. It's a, well, yes, yes, one is that's true. But what I loved was every one of these films ends with a World Series championship, right? It always ends with that. And and to come up with a plot line that ends with, hey, the kid did a great job. The team rallied around the kid. They got to a playoff. And of course, in Twins fashion, it's all it's a at that time, one game playoff, which means that it just goes to, to the streak of the fact that Twins can't win playoff games. But I really like the fact that the writing in this film ended it at that point because it still was a good film and it still was like, OK, cool. But yeah. you but you didn't get the old that's ah, a World Series championship. I, I thought that that was a really, really smart move as far as the script went. It was. It was kind. Of, I remember it being kind of shocking the first time I saw the movie. You just fully expected Lou Collins to hit right. a game-winning homer, and everyone celebrates. And and actually, in the in the Wikipedia write-up, they have you know they go over how it wasn't like received very well, but that Roger Ebert praised this movie because of its lack of predictability. That mm -hmm. so many things happen that are just sort of off script. Like you expect movies like this to have a feel-good win the World Series ending, like the Major League movies or Rookie of the Year. Right? Everything. Just float it. Yep. Just float it. And he strikes out the big bad hitter. Yep. And in this movie, it ends in failure. <laughs> so, yeah, 100%. Uh, Dex, what was your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part is how they use so many prominent baseball players, and they set it up with, I mean, this is the peak of the Mariners, right? I mean, this is this is Griffey and Randy Johnson, Lou Pinella. I mean, this is the this is the heart of it. This is a little bit for a rod. And there's even other cameos by baseball players in this movie. And I know you mentioned the, the there there's a former St. Paul Saint, and and I forget who was off the top. You said there was a former Minnesota now like a Twins coach or whatnot that was in this film that Elster? they used. Yeah, is that who it was? Yes. How they just Kevin basically knew that. All right, yeah, the Twins did win a World Series three or four years ago. But the production company knew that we're not going to include any Twins players in this film, but we're going to feature Griffey and Randy Johnson and Paul O'Neill is in this movie. There's a Yeah, why wasn't Kirby Puckett in this movie? Right. My guess is because they probably would have had to have him commit to the whole film, right? Because he plays for the Twins. So they, they probably couldn't use guys that team. would have to be on the team constantly. So call. my favorite part is the fact that they knew that who, who, who are the stars and who are the people to feature in baseball. And they, oh, just, yeah. and they just knew, do not talk about the 1995 twins. Like, you know, the 90, 92 team was still good, but this was in the dissension into some dark years of twins territory. And they knew that, hey, let's just let's just feature Ken Griffey you know Jr. That, that's a good point. When when was when did this film come out? 
ninety four. This and and but like what date? This, this is, June 29th, ninety four. So it came out as so the, the strike was approaching. Yep. So this this movie was. I'm sure I heard it. This movie was filmed with the the wild card being introduced for the first time, and Chris Berman even makes reference to. Can't believe we're saying this, but they're playing for the wild, wild card. Yeah. It's like this new concept, <laughs> but it's a one game. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But I I bet you that in retrospect now the strike hurt because it probably remained in theaters into the strike, and people were checked out on baseball at that point. Thank God for steroids. Because the strike was in August. Right? August, yeah. So it, That's what I'm saying yeah. is like, like, but that was the talk of that year, which is, is the strike going to hit? And then it did, and they just shut down. So maybe they thought, oh, it. we'll release this movie right when the, so people are going to crave baseball. No. They're going to watch this movie, and people They're are like, this is baseball. Yeah. So the baseball cameo, since Dex brought it up here, I got a full list of all the players and managers and figures that were in this as okay. themselves, or in one case, not as themselves. But So Ken Griffey Jr., who was pretty good, like yeah. in terms of athlete appearances in the movie. Like he had a couple lines that were pretty good. It was very realistic. Lou Pinella, <laughs> Mickey Tettleton had a couple great lines in this movie. Yes. Also, one of the the, the weirdest batting stance guys. That was above the history. head, right? He wrapped no, it above it was, his head, or no, 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 Mick, it was back. Mick, he That's he right. laid it to the side. He would That's stand right. sort of facing the, the pitcher and, and laid it to the side. Yep. That was back when everyone had a homemade batting stance, and now everyone goes through the same camps, and it's all like mechanically home. Yeah, I miss those old you don't stances. See those. Ivan Rodriguez with the Rangers, young, early Pudge, young and not and not big yet. Nope, I, I don't know how he got so big <laughs> later on. Weird. I would not speculate on such things. Yep, man, was he Sandy young. Alomar Jr., yep. Eric Anthony, Carlos Baerga. Alex Fernandez, Randy Johnson, Wally Joyner, Dave Magadan, Lenny Webster, former twin, apparently was in this. Movie. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I didn't know who, who he was. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Paul O'Neill, yep. Raphael Palmero, yep. Dean Palmer, Tim Raines, Chris Berman as himself, and then our friend John Gordon. I love that. Just a wonderful human being. I got and a, a production note on that one as Wally Holland. I found a great production <laughs> note about that. So that role was was supposed to go to, and they brought, um, and I think he was, I think he was with the Orioles at the time, John Miller in to read for it, and he was wow. awful, and he was terrible, and they're like, oh boy, and he what? looked at them and said, John Gordon's your guy, he's and and oh, cool. Miller told him hire Gordon, he will be great at this role, wow, and John and Gordon. he sort of plays, but he sort of plays Gordo on steroids, like that's he this does. role, right? Yeah, it's just him on steroids, wide. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. so so he actually got he actually helped get John the role by saying I'm not good, but this guy will be perfect. Yeah, so I think like Judge Generation, Herb Carneal was the voice for you growing up with yes. the Twins. My generation, born in the '80s, Herb was in the mix throughout the '90s, but John Gordon was really the voice for mm-hmm. my generation of Touch Twins them all. fans. Same. Yep. And now, obviously, Corey Provis has been doing it for like nine years. Yep. I know it's been, it's been a long time yeah. for Provis. And he's awesome. All right, your least favorite thing about Little Big League, Judd. Okay, so so this kid, Billy points himself manager. He owns the team, but he's going to do it on summer vacation. I'm unclear. Like, dude, you're really rich. Your mom seems to care sometimes, but she's not, like, around all the time. Just drop out of bleeping school. And go go <laughs> into baseball <laughs> and go into baseball. And then the second part about the Billy character, and it's not the kid's fault because he, he was actually, I thought, pretty good. The second part about the character that bugged me 
there's too much brooding. He broods too much. Like he gets too into, I mean, he, yeah, he's in sixth grade. He, and like, he starts off all fun. You know, baseball's fun. You guys, which is, which is how a kid would act. I totally get that. So I bought in, but then like, he like goes into these, oh man, oh, I, I don't know about this. And then Luke Collins starts to date his mom and he wants his mom to, to be happy, but then he gets mad and benches him about like, like I didn't like the writing for, for Billy because it's like, okay, I can clean this up in one second. First of all, just forget the whole school thing. Who gives a crap about that? And second of all, don't have him brood so much. He's in sixth grade. No sixth grader who who gets that job is going to be like, oh, Lou Collins, you're benched because oh, I don't know about this now. I got tired so, of how that character was written. All right. So so Judd has sort of hit on, I've got sort of tandem least favorite things here, just mm-hmm. to piggyback off Judd. And the number one least favorite thing for me is how quickly Billy abandons the fun mantra to just yeah. berate players all the time. Like he just he goes from all right, guys, we're gonna have a ton of fun. That's all I care about. Just have fun, and they go on a six game winning streak. <laughs> and then so so basically, like a week and a half after this fun mantra starts, he just becomes an a hole. He becomes incorrigible <laughs> and, and yes. forgets. And, and yes. by the way, like as he's an a hole, the team wins enough games still to, to at least like have a chance the last four games of the season. So they went a huge chunk of the season with him being a terrible culture manager, just like Dennis Farina was, and yet they maintained the winning. And then, and then the other least favorite thing for me is just like the mom wiping his face and the yeah. mom, the mom being so involved in suspending him for a game. It's yes. like, mom, listen, all right, you just gotta, t- you gotta take a step back here. All right, you just got her kid. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta let Bill Haywood be Bill Haywood a little <laughs> bit here. Okay, in real life, her, her kid was drafted, I think, last year, first round, by the Mets. Center really? fielder. He's got three names. He, he's got her last name, and it must be his dad's. But, yeah, really? he was a first-round pick. He's really good for the Mets. Interesting. All right, well. Life maybe imitating make, art. Make, it, make a sequel right But there. I'm with that... you. Like, 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 the inconsistencies of that character, it's like you don't really need to do that with that character. Totally. Dex? Uh, my least favorite part you guys kind of touched on it is the mom. I can't stand the mom in this film. Uh, number one, she just okay. Let me let me just get get me get right with the parenting of this of this thing. So she's she's a single mom. She busts her butt. Uh, she lets her kids and her friends all hang out. Awesome, cool mom. Like it comes off as a really cool mom at the beginning of this film, and then all of a sudden she starts like dating the player, which is a little weird because now your son is the owner and manager of the team. That's a good point. And then you know he figures out that her son is watching. Uh, what, what I have written down. Nurses from Jersey. So he gets upset. Night, night, nurses. Night, night nurses, nurses from, from Jersey. Jersey. Thank porn, you. man. Porn on the Thank road. You. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, it's ho- it's hotel. It, it, it pay-per-view. He's the owner of the team. Like, let him do what he wants. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the mom guilt towards the end, I just can't stand. I I, I just I didn't like the character of the mom at all. Did not like the character at the mall. By the way, her son in real life, uh, the actress Ashley Crow, her son's name is Pete Crow Armstrong, 19th, 19th overall pick. Uh, by the wow. match last year, Pete Crow Armstrong. That sounds like a baseball. That's pretty player. funny. What a what a what a um, random occurrence that is. Or maybe yeah, it's not random. Least favorite part is the mom. That's a good far. one, Dex. By far, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. What would this I'm movie? Could you have done this movie? Like the mom has to be somewhat involved because he's a kid, right? But like, what what's the bare minimum the mom could have been involved? Like the mom, there, there's got to be a certain amount of like, hey, he's still a 12 year old, so he's going to get in trouble and stuff. But, like, did she really need to be dating and getting married to Lou Collins? Did, no. did, did Lou well, Con- and I, and I don't way, want to talk I, about that, too. Lou Collins, by the way, like, all right, buddy, you're 
Get your head in the game. This is a wild card. Yeah, that's that play-in game. That's in my notes too. And you're proposing during the yeah. game to and the like, manager's mom. Like, what are you doing? And she's in those dome seats above the dugout to the side. Like that's a jaunt. Like there, there was a camera pit there. You got to go. Like he's going all the way over there during a game. I'm totally with you. I did not like that. I feel like the mom. I feel like Billy's character could have been written a little bit more consistently. And the mom didn't need that role. Like, she could have been in it without it being this big a deal that she is. It, it was almost like they got It was almost like they got her and told her, okay, to play this role, we'll give you some substantial screen time. And I was like, really? Yeah. Dex is right. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, all right, your uh, least least believable part oh. of this movie. Well, you you hit on one, which was Luke Collins is really going to go and propose during a baseball game and a wild card game, no less a one game. Like this is when he's going to like go down there with a ring and then and then tells Billy, "Well, it's up to you if we get married." And okay, that's bad. But here's the least for a Minnesota sports guy. Here is the least <laughs> believable part in this entire film, okay? And I'm sure to the country, they thought nothing of this. If you saw this film in Florida or Oklahoma or California, you thought zero of this. But this line from the Twins GM is the one that stood out to me as the least believable part. And it must have had to do with, with the ability to use team names. The Twins GM at one point is is in his Metrodome office which is like which is like where the boxes were like very convenient like the there are these great sweeps suites that they've converted uh, and he's talking to the commissioner about Billy becoming manager of the twins at 12 and you could tell the commissioner's like that's a joke we can't do, do that and he talks about the publicity you guys and his exact quote was it's june and people are already talking about gophers football yep this is 1994 i mean now it's a stretch but it's 1994, and they must well, have he, tried he, to get Vikings. He, he, he meant it. He meant it sarcastically too. I think like he's. It was. It was definitely a, a, a very provincial dig at a terrible go for football program. But you would have. But I'm. But I'm. But I'm saying. My guess is that they tried to say Vikings and they couldn't use the name, and so I think they oh. just came up with a team, and I think it was go for football. Yeah, but fair. not. But nonetheless. In Minnesota, saying anybody is ever talking about gopher football in, in what's supposed to be a line <laughs> to the commissioner is hilariously funny and as unbelievable as possible. So, but, like, why wouldn't they have the ability? They're not using the the NFL logo or the Vikings logo. Are they not allowed to or mention somebody just Vikings in a movie? Who knows? All I'm saying is it is completely the least believable thing that anyone in this state in August or October, much less June back then, would have been talking about gopher football. So actually, because you, you brought up sort of the structure of where the where the front office is, and it was like up the in the suite seats level. In, the house. in reality, their offices were like in the basement, the bow levels oh, with yeah. like no windows or anything. It was just it well, was and then damp, up above, outside, right? Like above above the the third base side, they built they built them out, but they were not near the field. Yeah. So uh, I would say one of there's a there's a few things here, but like <laughs> the twins clubhouse. All right, and this is very inside oh, baseball. Good, I, get yes. the, I get that like a lot of <laughs> a lot of people have never been inside the Metrodome Twins Clubhouse, and like at least Judd and I are fortunate enough to have been in there on a regular basis when the Metrodome was around. Declan, you probably were too, too young. young to yep. be in the Twins Clubhouse, in high right? School still. 
that was like if they were to have built a luxury version of the Twins Metrodome Clubhouse. It was not at all. The, the Twins Clubhouse in the Metrodome was much smaller and just a total dump. <laughs> just a disaster. <laughs> Feels right. And these guys are like hanging out in this state-of-the-art, super wide open uh, catering area, right? Yep. They had a food area kind of in the back for the Twins Clubhouse, but it was not near. And the name big. and the nameplates were really nice, like like they yeah. they were like electronic. Like yes, the <laughs> Twins had like name sliding plates. The Twins probably saw that movie and were like, "What the hell? Wait a second! Yes. Why can't why can't we get you're, something like you're this? a thousand percent <laughs> right? It's like a luxurious clubhouse." Yep. Uh, Dex, what about least believable for you? All right. Um, I don't mean I got to be careful with how I say this. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm my least believable part. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak on behalf of a lot of Twins fans here. My least believable part of this film is they make the poll ads look cool and like good people. <laughs> you can say that. And all I'm saying is the owner, the grandfather, is is this great, nice, nice nurtured man, and everyone loves him. And then he gives it to his son, and his son kind of like rejuvenates a little life. But then you know he's he also goes down a spiral. I'm just saying the the poll ad family. I don't think is portrayed in this movie accurately. Like I don't, they don't, they don't call themselves the Polads in this film. But any, Jason Robards is Carl, though. Yeah, you're right. Any Twins yeah, fan who right. watches this film would, pro- or any non-baseball fan, like, oh wow, that's a really cool family that owns a baseball team. His grandson loves baseball, and he t- and he takes his grandson everywhere, and they're best friends. But let's be honest, even a lot of people can recognize like that's not how the Polads operate. That I, is my I least believable love- part. I did love the taped message for after you die. Like, okay, if you if you guys were to leave a taped message for whoever it may be for after you die, if you have to tape it yeah, right the now will. today, last will and testament. Yeah. Who who would you? I mean, Judd would have to tape it for like Declan or something because he doesn't have kids. Yeah, Maybe you tape it for Declan. But what would your message be? What what message would you put in a taped for when I die VHS that you'd have to tape over a Bulls Knicks game for? <laughs> oh, which was hilarious too. Oh, I have no idea. Um. Would you warn people about something? Would you get? Would you give someone something of yours like he did? Here, you can have the twins. Well, yeah, because he's Here rich and he has to will that off. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I have enough to will off other than like my house. I, I would have to, and Dawn would get that if she's still alive. I, I would have to, assuming she's still alive. I, I think I would just do a full video explaining to people the days before an electronic strike zone. Listen, you guys aren't going to believe what we did for over a hundred years. We had these fat dudes like Joe West. You would have robbed yourself, Angel Hernandez, of Laz Diaz behind the plate for the home opener <laughs> yesterday. Is that what you're telling me, Laz Diaz? Missing balls and strikes. God, Laz Diaz, man. This new Twitter account that's got like thirty thousand followers. Its umpire scorecard is oh, amazing. It's great. every game, every day. It shows you how right and wrong they were behind the plate. It's Just, pretty awesome. It's it's gonna it's gonna bring electronic strike zones to the forefront. Um. I you know I I will say that I was gonna put the the genius hidden ball trick in the least believable, but I I I sort of think that like I know that didn't Judd you told us a story didn't like a college team yeah, pull that college off World one Series, time in an actual game yeah college World Series Miami and somebody in like eighty four so so here's the problem and, and I, I found an oral history of this film uh, which was published like five or ten years back so the problem where it got screwed up in production was. It's not a balk if the pitcher steps off and fakes the throw. But in the film, they cut out or didn't acknowledge, they didn't show the pitcher stepping off. So it looks like a balk. Mm-hmm. They should have seen it through and shown the guy just for the sake of clarity. They should have shown the pitcher step off. But if, but but if you're I think, off, 
you can fake the throne. That's one of those things that 99.5% of people watching the movie would not even think twice about. They wouldn't think, yeah, oh, that's right. a balk, right? But I guess people who like baseball did. I, it's the first thing that occurred to me is, that's a balk. And they're like, no, it wasn't because technically he had stepped off the rubber. But you're right. Is it unethical for them to have gotten the security guard to buy into it as well? I can see the team being in on the works for the Twins. No. Is it cheating? It's a great... You know what? If it works, who cares? St. Cloud State did a hidden ball trick against Winona in 2011, and it actually has 3 million views on YouTube. So what wow. they did was the runner was trying to steal second, and the catcher actually threw to third, but they acted like it was a passed ball. And the Winona yeah. runner bid on it, and then by the time he gets the, the third base, because he, now he's coming around to third, they just tag me, he's out, and the Winona guy throws his helmet. It's it's a pretty good one. I think the yeah. hidden ball trick actually is more so, believable. I will say that... It wasn't bad. Uh, w- yeah. We in a, in a Legion tournament one time, Buffalo Legion team, two thousand two, two thousand one, yep, somewhere in there, yep. So we pulled a successful hidden ball trick to end an inning one time, and the way we did it, and I, so I was playing first base, and somehow we had like talked about doing this at some point, and it wasn't like just a spur of the moment thing, but when the time was right, you know, let's say there's a base hit, and the and the hitters on first base and rounds first base, and the ball comes back into the infield. Whether it's the third baseman, the shortstop, or the first base. Well, I guess it has to be the first baseman if there's a guy in first. But you get the ball, and then instead of throwing it back to the pitcher, mm-hmm. you walk the ball back to the pitcher, and, you, and you and you and you and you hold the ball in your hand, and you stick it in his. You make it look like you're sticking it in his glove, <laughs> but you're really sticking it into your own glove. Yep. And then you go back to the base, and the pitcher just stays off the rubber. Right. And then the hitter sometimes will just wander off a step or two, even when the pitcher is off the rubber and then you can just tag them out and then you have to yell to the umpires like hey <laughs> tagging it works on high school kids i don't know if it'll work on a major league it's true but, well yeah but the key there but the key there is is the guy on base has to be aware of where the pitcher is like you've got to watch him unless he gets back on the rubber you stay on the base like that's yeah. the important thing but but the pitcher so the pitcher can't deceive the runner from the rubber but as long as he stays off of it the fielders yeah. can. Where would the Ken Griffey Jr. game-winning, game-saving, like catch? advance to the playoffs catch rank in the history of baseball uh, that happened in an actual game? Well, it depends on the game itself, but it it is it is up there with the pocket catch against the plexiglass as far as yeah. like the equivalent to it. Hundred yeah. percent. But if it's in a one-game playoff like that, I mean, it's fairly high. If it's a World Series, especially a decisive game, it's a, you know. Great catch, but I like the fact that they paid him. Like, like the Griffey thing made the action believable. I thought. Here, here's the one thing about that catch, and this is, you know, people don't think about this, but let's say that ball gets by Griffey. I mean, it's fan interference all day long. There's like 20 yeah, there's fans a- leaning over the wall to try and touch that baseball, and so that would just be the end of the game because it would have been fan interference, right? But- Wouldn't the batter just be out? If it's if you got twenty fans yes. leaning over the, yeah, the railing, they lean like over that? there. Yes, yes, yeah, be tough. Um, can you guys tell me? So I'm, I've got the 1994, the actual 1994 Major League Baseball standings up here. Okay. This is before the strike, so the strike hit in August, and so there was no World Series that year. Expos you guys are so tell good. Me, yeah. Freaking so, Expos, yeah, can, man, got screwed. So the Expos had the best record at the time, 74 oh. and 40. They had a young Pedro Martinez. Oh. Marquise Grissom, Delano DeShields. Oh, they were good. Can you tell me what the Twins' record was? They uh, played by the pause. Uh, 
by 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 August before the strike hit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good. Um, so they had played 113 games by that point. How many wins did they have? 40. I think it was, they were. Oh, go ahead, Judd. Oh, ahead. I was going to say I think I think it was, it might have been a few more than that, but yeah, they they were not good. They were decent. They were. I mean, they were 53 and 60. So they were. Oh, they okay. weren't good, but they were. Yeah. They weren't a train wreck. Okay. Can you let's play the lineup game here real quick? Can you guys collaborate together? To tell me who the, the the nine guys with the most played appearances were offensively for the Twins, like who were their nine regular players in eight, around in, the diamond? in ninety four ninety four yep um pocket pocket is correct yeah right? was her, was her was her, pocket um, was so good that year pocket drove in a hundred twelve runs in a hundred eight games nah block just ridiculous nah block was was Herbeck still around at that point in we'll give you that one. Yeah, we'll give you that one. Okay. Was Shane Mack there? Shane Mack played left field. Look at me. I'm surprised I'm getting these. Yeah, that's good. Um, there's a bunch. There's a there's a bunch of names. I mean, it's a weird era because it's kind of a transition era. But there's a bunch of names. Denny Hawking was on that team. Denny um, Hawking was on that team, but he only played 11 games, so he doesn't count here. Okay. Was Was Gaetti gone? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he Long went. Time. He left as, as part of the the collusion settlement in '90. <laughs> was Scotty Leia still around? Scotty Leas was the third well, baseman. Okay, because because he had moved from third to short when Gagne left, and then I think they moved him back to third base. Was Pat Mears on that team? He was the starting shortstop. Okay, six uh, six. Actually, it's there's ten guys here, maybe even eleven. And was Puckett in right by then? Yes. So Puckett was in right. Matt Mac Mac was, was in left. left. Shane Mack Shane Mac was in left. Um, mm-hmm. Rich Becker on that club? I had MLB 95 he was, but for the he Sega was, but Genesis, and that's the only reason I'm trying to think of all these names. Okay, so there, there's a, there, we need a DH, a center fielder, yeah, hold and on we a need a, catch, a catcher, and then a couple other prominent players. Matt Wallback around by then? Yes. This is a clinic right now. Um, Come on, you got this. But wait, wait, wait. Center field, though, Dex. Wait, this is not, okay. I mean, this, this is before my one. time, though. So it was not. On-base on machine who stole a ton of bases. Okay. Under underappreciated in that era. Okay, so was it veteran type guy or a young guy? Um, he was twenty eight years old. So he's sort of in between. And I think he may have mm. gone down to injury in the no, never. I'm sure I know. I'm sure I know this one. I, I was just yeah. tr- trying to think if it, it was one of the recycled guys that Terry brought through. But I think he the started D, to the, do that the later. DH is one of the greatest players of this the twenty five year era. Paul Molitor? Was Molitor on, on no, the team yet? No, not yet. Okay. No, no, no. You're he came really in close. 96. The DH was one of the greatest, like a, a Twins, a, tw- a longtime Twins player or somebody they brought in? His The majority of his career was not with the Twins. I'm going to be he really, the I'm gonna be really PO'd when I hear these names because I would. I, <laughs> the I, DH, you're going to quit. You're going to quit media. I went altogether. to games constantly at the time. Uh, 94, <laughs> 1994, Twins, no DH. Oh, Winfield. Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. Okay. Dave Winfield. Okay. Central. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. God. Oh, that's when he that's got his 3,000th hit right yeah. around that time. Damn it. All right. Good I'm going to give you some of the other ones here. So uh, Alex Cole was the center field. Oh, I would, yeah. I remember, I remember that. You know what? He. He was. He was Juan Pierre before Juan Pierre. Yeah. 375 on base percentage, 29 stolen bases. Cleveland, right? He had been in Cleveland. I believe so. And I think he wore Rex specs. I think that's correct. (laughs) I think he wore Rex specs, yeah. I went to a lot of games. Pedro Pedro Munoz and Jeff Rebele are also like the two. Oh, Jeff Rebele. In in fact, Rebele had a friend 
who was a baseball player and, a, and an actor, and I forget which one, who he got him the job on this film. Wow. Um, the pitching staff, Kevin Tappany, Scott Erickson, Jim Deshays, Pat Mahomes, and Carlos Polito made the most Oh, Carlos Polito. And so Tappany and who else? Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson. And that's around the time. Jim what, what year did Erickson pitch the no-no against the Brewers at the Metrodome? Might have been that year. It was around like it that was time. Yeah, yep. Or 93. And then the bullpen, Rick Aguilera with 23 saves, followed by the rest of the bullpen was a disaster. Carl Willis, Mark Guthrie, Mike Trombley, Larry Cassian. old, yes. Seven ERA was really bad. Oof. So, all right, let's get to Help. the hole I went to. What's it? Yeah. Um, Sorry. By the way, a Valley Fair shout out to Corkscrew, yeah. uh, the Corkscrew, the Wave. Amateur mistake by them standing on the bridge yeah. for the Wave. Rookie mistake. You can't do that. Rookie mistake. You can't do that. Yeah. All right, the, uh, we have two different categories here for ranking this movie. One through ten scale. The believability of sports action. One through ten. So the only movie we've done so far here is Mighty Ducks. We we gave it a 2.7 out of ten. Yeah. What would your one through ten be here for a Little Big League? I'm going to give them a nine. They did a really good job. And, and the extras being actual ballplayers was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a nine. They clearly worked very hard if nothing else, to make the action in this film as believable as possible from watching pe- people play. The scenarios might might not have been consistently believable, but, like, you didn't see a guy who could barely throw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it's a solid eight. Um, actually, I, I rewound it to rewatch it because and I know they're doing it because of, like, dramatic and for the scene, but the route Griffey takes to catch that ball I don't know. It, it's a little zigzaggy. And red- no, don't get me wrong. He was the best defensive center fielder in the game at the time. Are you questioning? But, but because of the Junior? filming, they were like obviously trying to hype it up. He's like at one point, it's like looks like he's running towards the gap. There's another point where it just it does not add up. It really like go back and rewatch you know it. I'm what? serious. Go back and rewatch Mr. it. Mr. Serious. It's it's uh it's an eight out of ten though. I think it's really believable. The baseball is, and it does help having the actual players. Eight out of ten. All right. So this is my take from the beginning. I, I teased it. This is, I think. I'm giving it a nine. I don't. I don't have a. I can't think of a sports movie that's a ten off the top of my head. I don't know if it exists, but this is the most believable sports action I've ever seen in a sports movie because <laughs> they're using major league players for sure. most of it. You don't have guys who just like that look like they've never thrown a ball before. They're using major league players to do a lot of these scenes, and that's what made it so believable. So it's a nine, which means it's an eight point seven composite score between the three of us and then the last one is one through ten just on entertainment value what's your score judd what did i give the mighty ducks you get a six uh, i don't remember what you I gave believe- it but it was a seven combined yeah five. i you get six i did seven Phil did eight you did six entertainment value i'm gonna give this film and keep in mind i went in expecting it to be crappy i'm gonna give this film a seven I enjoyed it. I could have cut it down by a little bit. Um, I didn't enjoy all the characters, more so how they were written than, than acted. Um, I'm going to give it a seven, though, because there wasn't a point where I thought to myself, I hope this ends soon because it's and, – and again, I will oh, give – and I will – well, here's where I'll give them a ton of points. I'll give them a ton of points because not having seen this film, I thought, how are they going to get the World Series in? Like, we're getting late in this film. And the fact that they brought an abrupt end to it, I really enjoyed. So, a seven. For me, it's a six. It's a six. It's wow. way too long, dude. It's way too long. And See, and the plot's all over the place. 
with 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 the grandfather, not that his grandfather dying, but yeah, like they get the surge and then they go back down and then there's the playoff. It's it's way too long. I can't stand the mother. The poll the the family is not accurate. It's a six. I love how you want them to like paint the poll ads as being these terrible. I people. do. I'd I I. You'll never get the baseball team. Exactly. That's not how this works. You guys act like it was gone with the wind length. Like yeah. it was it no, was I like an intermission in the middle. I'll wear that. No, I'll wear no, that. No, Declan That's, hates yeah. the. I'm just saying I could have cut it down. I'll wear that. All right, I love baseball. This is this hits every nostalgic heartstring for me. It's baseball. It's it's he's basically like the same age as I was like I was a couple years younger. It's the twins and I thought it was highly entertaining. It's a nine for me in terms of entertainment value. I love this movie. Somebody's gone too far. And that makes it a seven point three score just slightly above Mighty Ducks at a seven. Here's why I think uh, just to to put a um, tie up a few loose ends here. Here's why I think the Vikings might have been an original intent to mention and weren't. Billy, for some unknown reason, in his bedroom has a Jets pennant. Uh, Winnipeg? No, New York Jets. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he has. He a, also has a, a Lee County Stadium pennant. Yes, is, but I mean, they've got a lot of twin stuff that that's cool, accurate too. Media guides, like clearly, and you know, I'm not surprised the Twins were all in on this. But I'm saying, I think there's something up with the Vikings at the time because, like, why would you have a kid who lives, I think, in Edina and he's rich? Why would he have a Jets pennant? Like, of all the teams, it was almost like they're like, screw the Vikings. We'll give him a Jets pennant. Yeah. Uh, one other shout out for this movie the runner, using Runaround Sue as a montage oh. song was clutch. It's in, it's my, it's in my notes. I literally put Runaround Sue, great song. Hey, how much did this film make you guys miss the Metrodome? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Big game. Big game yeah. vibe. Love the big game vibe there. Yeah. The, the, game, game 163 yeah. was a great way to close it out. But Why was the wrong. Twins dugout and bullpen on the wrong side? It's true. They're flipped. It was on the first base side in the film. Logistics. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an executive move here. It's oh. draft season. Okay. It's NFL draft. Oh, season. we're gonna. I've seen some was, of this. I was. One. I was. Uh, Little Costner. Little Costner coming up. Right. We're doing draft day next week. Oh, we got to do draft. Jennifer Garner. Let's just do it. Let's let's put it out there. People can can watch it with us, and then they can have a couple we weeks should to consume do, it before the draft. We should try and do um, a series of just Costner sports films. We would get two months out of it, right? I mean, because the guy game. never like it's like let's put him in another sports. I mean, yeah. he he played um, Crash in Bull Durham, and then it was like from then on, let's just have him be in sports films. Yeah, uh, love it. So draft day next week. Last thing, I, I was. Actually, uh, a friend of mine said she was listening to Chicks in the Office on Barstool Sports, and they were talking about bad sports rom-coms. I've never heard of this film before, but have you guys ever seen Summer Catch from 2001? Uh, Freddie. Yes. Freddie. It's, it's apparently yeah. one of the worst films that's ever been made, but it's, but it's rom-com and baseball. Yep. And we it has do it at some point. Freddie Prince, Jessica yes. Biel, Fred Ward, Matthew Lillard, Brittany Murphy, like a lot of those great era of like God early 2000 actors. God rest her soul indeed. I think we should add that to our rom-com list. I want to I want to see how bad this film is. I added it to the list here for sure. Uh, quick shout out to PXG Minneapolis. Thank you for uh, helping us power the Mackie and Judd show. Golfers paradise at PXG and the Gen 4 clubs have landed. So uh, a lot of people with that golf itch this weekend because of the Masters. But uh, drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons are PXG's flagship clubs. They've got great spring and summer apparel as well. PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center. And find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. 
That's a wrap on Sports Movie Rewind and Mackie and Judd. We'll see you guys next week. Hit a homer. What? Hit a homer and I say you can marry her. Hey, Lou? Yeah? You can marry her even if you don't hit a homer. Thanks. And Lou? Yeah? If uh, Johnson gets ahead of you, watch for the slider. Going away. <laughs>